My name is Chad Roberts, and I want to welcome you to Awakened to Grace today as we begin a brand new study, a new journey through the book of Joshua that I am calling Triumph. You know, if you are like me, I am a person I don't like change. And transitions can be very difficult in my life. When I went blind and I lost eyesight at the age of 38, it was an immensely difficult transition, not only for myself, but for my beautiful wife, my children, even the church I pastor. Transitions can be difficult, and perhaps today you are in the midst of a transition. Maybe it's a transition that you didn't choose. Well, I have got some good news for you today because for God to take his people where he wants to lead us, often for God to lead us into victories, he first has to take us through transition. That's what we're going to see today as we study Joshua chapter 1. We are going to see the transition between the leadership of Moses to Joshua. And we are going to see specifically how Joshua handled such a difficult transition. I know today is going to speak into your life. I'm glad you're listening to this episode of Awakened to Grace. I want to entitle today, Losing Ground Already Won. Losing Ground Already Won. Most of us know Christians, whether that is in our own family, whether it could be within our neighbors, it could be within our co-workers or friends or even social media, but all of us know people who live defeated lives. And perhaps you're listening today, whether you're in the building or you're watching online, that you yourself here lately have been living a defeated life. Last month, our focus was unbelief. And last month, we went through parts and sections of the book of Numbers, and we followed the children of Israel along their journey through the wilderness. And what did we see that marked their journey? It was unbelief. And as a result, God said, you will not enter this promised land. Only your children will. And Joshua and Caleb. And as we went through this journey of unbelief, our goal was to detect unbelief that may be lurking in our own lives. Perhaps there are forms of unbelief. And we we covered in that series forms of unbelief like impatience. Have you ever viewed impatience as a form of unbelief? Forms of unbelief like complaining. (laughs) Have you ever viewed your complaining as a form of unbelief? Worldliness. Do you excuse carnality? Do you excuse worldliness in your own life, in your own heart? And yet it is a form of unbelief. Well, this brings us to a great transition today because when we leave the children of Israel and come into the book of Numbers, where they are in the book of Numbers, and we leave the first five books of the Old Testament, where we find Israel now is in a great place of transition. And we've chosen to call this series in the month of March because we feel that it is 
according to what God is leading us into. We're going to call this month Triumph. And why are we calling it Triumph? Is because we believe that just as God wanted the children of Israel to live in victory, to go and possess the land, to believe the promises of God for their life, so it is God's will today for believers today to live in absolute victory. Amen? But this is going to be the premise of the series. Even though God promised the land to the children of Israel, even though God told Joshua, even in chapter 1, as we'll see, God told Joshua that throughout his life, not one man will stand against Joshua all the days of his life. My friend, that's victory. (laughs) He told Joshua that every place that the sole of his foot touches, that is your land. He told Joshua not to be fearful, not to be dismayed, not to be frightened in any way. He told him to be strong and of good courage because as he was with Moses, God would be with Joshua. God assured Joshua as strong as anyone can be assured that victory was his. But do you know what the fact is, my friends? Israel still had to fight. Israel still had to go to war. Israel still had to face Jericho. Israel still had to face the Hittites. Israel still had to go against the Jebusites and all the other ites that possessed the land of Canaan. Israel still had to go to war and fight, but yet God promised them the victory. My friends, it is the same in our life today. It may be that you're here today and you're facing the absolute trial of your life. It may be that you've never faced anything like what you're facing today. Well, let me encourage you, my friend. God has promised us. He has guaranteed us a great victory. Amen? But that doesn't mean that you and I don't have to go to war. As I'm learning in my own life, in my own walk through blindness, God has promised me victory. But that doesn't mean that I don't have to cross the Jordan and face the enemy and fight and trust the Lord. Amen? Triumph. We're going to talk about how do you stand in victory? How do you go forward in faith? How do you trust the Lord? How do you take action and obey the Lord in your life? One of my favorite verses in the book of Joshua is toward the end of the book when Joshua is about to die. Joshua 23, verse 14. As Joshua is about to pass away, he reminds the people of Israel, listen to this, not one word of God has failed. Not one word. Friends, this is after they faced many battles. This is after they conquered many peoples. This is after they overthrew many, many cities. And this is after they have possessed the land and it's now divided among all the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joshua looks back over his life and it reminds the people, not one word of God has failed. May I remind you of that this morning? That not one promise of God is going to fail us. Not one word from God is going to return void. 
Not one promise that God has made to you, that God has made to me, that God has made to his people, not one word shall fail. And when you really get that in your spirit, when that really lodges within your heart, when that really soaks in and really waterlogs your thinking and the way you feel and the way you process and the way you view the circumstances of life, when that truly sinks in, that's when faith will explode in your heart and in your life. And that's when you'll learn what it means that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen? Because we believe that not one word from God has failed. Not one. So Joshua chapter 1. I'm not usually the type of preacher that gives you three things to write down. I'm not a three-point preacher normally, but today I'm going to go back to my roots and I'm going to give you three things to write down today. We're going to see three simple things in Joshua chapter 1 to get us into this area of victory. Now remember, the title today is Losing Ground Already Won. Why are we calling it that? Because for 40 years, I want you to listen to this. For 40 years, Israel forfeited land that God had already given them. And today, you may be listening today, and you may feel a bit like that. You may have wasted years upon years of your life. Perhaps there's decades that you have wasted, that you know in your heart you could have been serving the Lord. You could have been living for God. And maybe you feel like you've blown it today, and maybe you feel like you've wasted too many years. No, my friend, let me encourage you today. This is a new year. This is a new season. This is a new day. And if you'll follow along with us in this great journey through Joshua, I'm telling you, you're going to learn how to live victorious. You're going to learn how to see God turn things in your life. Can we say amen to that? Joshua chapter 1, three simple things. Number one, transition. Number two, instruction, and number three, action, obedience. Let's begin with transition. Joshua chapter one, verse one. Very interesting. The Bible opens by saying that Moses, the servant of the Lord, dies. And the Lord has now chosen Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant to Moses. And I want you to pay attention to how the Bible says that the Lord broke the news to Joshua. I find it very intriguing. The Lord tells Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Arise. You and the people are going to go over Jordan and possess the land. You know, I don't want to read too much into the text, but when I put myself in in Joshua's shoes, or sandals more appropriately, when I put myself in Joshua's shoes, I don't know how I would have handled that transition all that well. I don't know how many of you are like me, but I I like to simmer on things. You know, I'm more of a crock pot than I am an instant pot. I like to simmer on it. If God's going to transition me, if God's going to take me into an unknown territory, into a different area, I I like a long heads up and I like to, you know, I like to settle in. 
Uh, I think if, if I had I been Joshua, what I would have wanted the Lord to say <clears throat> is, Joshua, have a seat. I got something to tell you. Everything's going to be all right. Moses has died. It's next man up football. <laughs> You're up. You're the man. I've chosen you. And uh, I'm going to give you about three months to get your head around this thing. And then in about six months, you and the people are going to cross over to Jordan, okay? I'm going to help you. You're gonna, I'm going to give you some scripture. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you some songs, and, and you're going to be fine. You just, you just meditate, and you just pray, and you're going to be all right. That's the kind of transition I would want. But how many of you know transitions don't always work that way, do they? One of my favorite songs is entitled, Your Cries Have Awoken the Master. And it says, when the storm of your life has begun, seeing no hope in the distance, you're frightened with nowhere to run. Friends, how many of you know sometimes transition comes immediately and there is no getting prepared for it, right? I think there's a lot that verse 1 says. Let me pull out a couple of principles here that I want you to think about. Number one, I think this is important to note. I feel like the real meaning of verse one for generations beyond that, that would read the word of God as we are. I think the Lord is telling us, don't put your eyes upon men. Don't put your eyes solely upon leaders. Leaders are important. Don't get me wrong. Leadership matters. But see, where leaders come and go, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in the case of Moses, the fact is, godly leaders die. Godly leaders die. They go on to their reward. John Wesley said it so well, God buries his workmen. But the work continues, amen? And that's true because the Bible says that even when we go on to our reward, our works follow us. I think about the great Hudson Taylor, the man whose portrait is framed in my office. He's the one with the big glorious beard. He started a mission in China in the 1800s, the late 1800s. He died in 1905. His ministry is still thriving today in China. He died in 1905, but his work continues. I think about David Livingston, the other man whose framed portrait, who has the glorious mustache. Anyway, you can go in there and look for yourself. Uh, I think about David Livingston. Some years ago, I was in Africa, and <coughs> I was in Malawi, and we were literally walking through the African bush. I mean, literally, literally. No electricity, nothing. No restaurants, no, there were no buildings, all right? It was literally... Tall African grass, the African bush. And we're walking through, we're walking to the next village and a pastor that I was with, an African pastor said, do you know about David Livingston? And I smiled and I said, you tell me what you know about David Livingston. I'm, I wanted to hear his perspective. And he smiled really big and he said, David Livingston 
set my people free. And he told me story after story from his perspective. Do you know that when David Livingston died, they shipped his body, they packed his body in salt and sailed his body from the continent of Africa to London, to Westminster Abbey, where he's buried, among other famous people. But do you know what the Africans did with his body before they shipped him home to England? They removed his heart, and they buried his heart in the soil of Africa, where it belongs. David Livingston's work follows him to this very day. I think about Billy Graham, who has passed in our own lifetimes, I believe in 2018. Do you realize that if you go to the Billy Graham Library today, thousands, I'm talking literally tens of thousands of people are being saved every month at the Billy Graham Library as thousands pour through there and the gospel is proclaimed. It is an ongoing gospel crusade. Although Billy has went on to his reward, his work is still following him. What's the point? We don't put our eyes on leaders. As wonderful as leaders are, they'll either pass, they'll either retire, they'll either transition something. And then sadly, for some of you, you've been hurt by a pastor. You've been wounded by poor leadership. Some of you are listening or watching at home right now because you've sworn you'll never go to another church because you've been wounded by the mistakes of a leader. I would say to you, my friends, don't put your eyes on men. Don't put your eyes on clay. Put your eyes on Jesus because what we learn in verse one, leaders come and go. Ministries come and they go. Churches come and they go. Kingdoms of this world come and they go. But Jesus Christ remains the same. And as the transition happened between Moses and Joshua, God was constant and God was stable. And God will be constant in your life and he'll be faithful in your life no matter who comes and no matter who goes. Keep your eyes on God, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? So he's gonna transition Joshua. Now, if you note in verse one, I imagine that Joshua's mind is reeling. Maybe maybe he's a little more prepared for Moses' death than what I am speculating, but... It feels as though God did not give him much room for mourning. He simply says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now get busy. Arise. Get ready. Lead. Go forward. But then look what he says in verse 5. It's very special. He tells Joshua, watch this. He tells Joshua, no man is going to be able to stand before you all the days of your life. My friends, is that not a guarantee of victory? Do you not think that Joshua took that into battle every time he went into battle? Every time Joshua drew his sword, 
Every time the trumpets blasted, every time the men of war went out, do you not think that Joshua replayed what the Lord said, that not one man will stand before him all the days of his life, not one? Now, friends, this is one promise that Joshua has. Do you know what scholars tell us? There are some 7,000 promises in the word of God for you and me. 7,000. And as we said, Joshua 23, 14, not one of them, not one will fail. Do you believe that today in your own life? Do you live that way? Or do you live defeated? Do you live discouraged? Do you live with uncertainty? Do you live with anxiety? Do you live as though maybe God will come through and maybe perhaps, maybe God won't? I know that battle. There are some days in my blindness that I feel as confident as any human being on this earth can be confident. The smartest, the most analytical, the most brilliant, the, most, the greatest mind could not sit down with me and convince me that God does not have the ability to drop these scales from my eyes. No one could convince me of that. And then there are other days when I go, Lord, are you paying attention? Are you listening? We're not to live defeated. We are to live in faith. We are to say, and and, and that's what the Lord is teaching me along my process, is Chad, your emotions may be high and your emotions may be low. It honestly depends on the day. It honestly depends on the hour. Anybody say amen to that? Anybody feel that way sometimes? Oh, I'm only talking to three people. Okay, that's okay. Amen. We'll do a small group together, brother. But the Lord's teaching me. My emotions may be up. My emotions may be down. But my emotions are not my faith. It's not my faith. And my faith can dictate, my faith can control my emotions. Amen? Amen. And sometimes, to be quite frank, me and my will have to pray against my emotions. And do you know what eventually happens? My emotions, finally, after a while, they'll get in gear and they'll get in line. And against my emotions, I'll have to say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to submit to you. God, I resist the devil, but I submit to you, oh God. And eventually, those emotions kind of just fall in line. But my faith tells my emotions what to do, not vice versa. My emotions do not control me. Amen? Go back and listen to the Emotions That Destroy series. My emotions don't control me. My faith does. And while emotions may be high or low, faith stays the same. And that's why I want to live out of faith, not out of how I feel. So he tells him, All the days of your life, Joshua, no one, not one man, not one man is going to stand before you. 
You'll conquer them all. And then look what he says. Verse five, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Friends, is that not a guarantee from God Almighty that Joshua is going to be just fine? If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awaken to Grace Weekly Sermons.